welcome to episode 17 of Coffee and Co-Read, your source for all things literary, with Kristen and Catherine, where we believe there is nothing better than a hot coffee and an awesome book. Join us for our virtual book club, where we take one book a month and dive into all the drama, adventure, and romance we can find. Hey, Kristen. Hi, Catherine. So I guess today we are asking the age-old question. And it might be obvious for our listeners what we do, but Catherine, do you reread books? And if so, do you have any particular favorites? No, I don't reread at all. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, this one, I guess, is a bit obvious, but um, yeah, of course, I do. I do reread books all the time. Um, Like as a kid, I remember I reread Harry Potter must have been 20 or 30 times like anytime I'd want to read a book it was the only one I wanted to read Um, obviously as an adult I've expanded my books but I do still loving loving I do still love to go back and read um, certain books like Pride and Prejudice I'll generally reread it once a year Um, but even if I'm in a reading slump or just want something familiar I'll pick up an old favorite. I just, I like rereads because I know in general what's going to happen, but you also get to like do the deeper dive into the story and find breadcrumbs and more information that you might've missed the first time. Um, so yeah, I, I love rereads. What about you? Yeah, I'm the same. Um, I love to reread. Um, for me, it's just, it's sometimes it's just easier for me to do a reread Uh, rather than getting emotionally involved in a new book, Mm. like, you know, books that I've read before that I know what happens. I know that the outcome is something that I enjoy. So, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I am a reader. I don't know if I'm uh, unusual in my taste in that I, I enjoy happy endings. It's part of the reason why I actually like the romance sort of genre as much as I do, because Mm -hmm they are happy ending forward, right? Like it's, that's the, you know, that's romance books. They have to have a happy ending. That's what they sell. (laughs) That is what they sell. So that's why I like them so much. So I really like happy endings. And I like when my sort of OTP gets together and has like a happy life. So uh, (laughs) I just like knowing what's going to happen rather than, getting emotionally involved in a new book yeah no completely makes sense um i tend to go for a court of mist and fury um by sarah j mass a lot again Mm -hmm. because i know what happens and even knowing the ending is a little bit not happy i can skip that (laughs) (laughs) um pride and prejudice is another one that i really like to reread um and then sometimes I'll go pick up some Nora Roberts when I feel the urge, like when I'm just feeling for something that is like sappy and romantic and happy all the time. Yeah. So yeah, sometimes you just want the act of reading. Like sometimes you just want to read something, but you don't want the emotional hazards of like <laughs> a brand new book. So just a heads up, we're not a spoiler free zone and things might get a little saucy. So this week is our last week of Bitten. And we are doing chapters 24 to 34, which is uh, 
chapter settling until um, the end of the book. So last week, we ended with um, Elena getting a scare in the form of Thomas LeBlanc um, actually trying to kill her, which is not expected for Mutz because um, she is precious and special. Uh, then... Of, of course she is. Tropey trope trope. But like, <laughs> I don't mind it as much in this book as I do in some other books, to be honest. That's true. Yeah. Um, then Jeremy told her she and Clay were going to stay with Philip in Toronto for her protection um, from the bad guys. Right. But not from the emotional turmoil of her entire book saga of werewolf versus human life. Like her and her ex-fiance, current sleeping partner, are going <laughs> with her boyfriend, who she continuously forgets about. Um, and can you imagine literally having to sleep in an apartment and not a large one, like a one bedroom <laughs> apartment with your current boyfriend and your ex-fiance that you are currently sleeping with? No. Like, hecka awkward. I would refuse. Like, <laughs> I get that Jeremy's like, you have to. And then Clay gets on board with the plan. And then, like, she's just like, I guess I'm the odd man out. Gotta go do it. I would just be like, I'm sorry. I'm I'm changing my name and I'm going to move <laughs> to friggin' Europe and no one's going to find me there. Are the mutts going to come to Europe and get me? Do you know what's bad? When you just said I'm going to change my name and move, my thought process automatically filled in the blanks with to Canada. Oh. <laughs> except they're already going to Canada. <laughs> yes. So my brain went to Mexico and I was like, that's still too close. So then I said Europe. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so... Basically, at the very, very end of last week, um, it kind of ends with Elena going to bed with Philip and feeling like it's going to be a catastrophe. Yes. <laughs> and you're like, yes, yes, it is. But Elena wakes up to the smell of bacon and French toast, which sounds like a glorious way to wake up. <laughs> I know. My gosh, I, I would love that. Exactly. Yes, please. Yeah. So, of course, she assumes that it's Philip and that he, like, stayed late because she's been gone for a while and wanted to give her breakfast and stuff. But obviously it's Clay. Like, yeah, everybody reading it knew it was Clay. <laughs> they didn't need <laughs> to be told otherwise. Um, Philip did send her flowers, though. A dozen red roses. Um, Can I just be honest, though, and say that, like, if I was gone for like a couple of weeks and I show up like the night, the evening, and then my husband was like, okay, I'm going to get up super early and like, see ya, bye. Mm -hmm. I'd be kind of like, dude, really? Yeah. A little bit. Yeah. A hundred percent. Well, at least wake me up before you go. Right, I, wouldn't, yes. I wouldn't sleep through someone getting out of bed with me. Like that's not something. That no, I, do. I don't think. No, I agree there. Yeah. I'd be like. Kiss me and tell me you love me before you leave. <laughs> Wake me up before you go. go. <laughs> yes, that's the one. I have. Uh, so Elena takes the flowers and she's going to just bring them into her room. And Clay's like, you need water and you need sunlight. <laughs> and she's like, ah, shit. Like she's completely <laughs> clueless, which like, 
is kind of another trope, but I actually kind of like, I believe it in this case. It's not, it's not yeah. too, too tropey. It's kind of like, yeah, she probably didn't have much use for flowers in yeah. her growing up life. Um, and she mentions that she's much better at killing things than keeping them alive. Um, and she kind of says that like in relation to plans. And she also says here that it's a good thing she never planned to have kids, um, which kind of clears up a chat that we had a couple weeks ago, I think, um, about losing the life that she wanted. So we talked about like she got turned and now she can't have kids and that she was upset about that. But she does mention here that she, she never wanted them. So that seems like something that that was before she was even turned. So it, it's kind of contradictory to some of the stuff we heard. And obviously people are complex, but just something to point out. Well, I guess I guess she's probably more pissed at losing the option than she is at actually like, yes. oh, I want the kids. No, she wanted just the option open to her if it ever, you know, came yeah. to. Yeah. Um, so I guess... Elena and Clay are stuck together during the day because uh, Clay is there to protect her. Um, but Elena's a bit mean to Clay during the day. Like they go to her work on the subway, which she knows he absolutely despises because it's crowded. Yeah. He's a wolf by nature. He wants to be in open spaces. He doesn't want to be near people. He despises people. Um, but he, he does everything he needs to do because it's on Jeremy's orders and he's trying to protect her. Um, she does tell him that he can't stay outside of her office, but like, where did she expect him to go? Like, he's there to protect her. What did, what did she want him to do? Not protect her? Like, I don't, I don't really think that was really thought through. We also get a bit of information, um, on like, I guess the psychic connection between the alpha and the wolves. So Jeremy can contact Elena psychically. Um, and apparently most, um, most of the werewolves kind of ignore it. And this is, in my opinion, just kind of another sign of how advanced and kind of alpha Elena is like, she really is good at thinking like a werewolf. That's like, she's very good at knowing the patterns that the wolves would know to hunt. And she's very good at like different things that other wolves ignore because their human sides kind of stop them from exploring it, which is kind of funny. Cause she's like the, the big one having the battle between human and werewolf, but she's also very in tune with her werewolf side, which you wouldn't necessarily expect. Um, but Jeremy can only kind of like speak to them in their dreams, which is kind of like vampire Academy. I was thinking, but <laughs> definitely <Yeah>. interesting. <laughs> So the second day that Clay is staying with her, she kind of starts to take uh, Clay feeding her for granted. Um, And she's like, if I just stay in bed, he'll he'll just bring it in here. And it's like, (laughs) it'd be weird if Clay brought food and coffee into the bedroom that you share with another man. Like, even if the man is not home, that would be a weird situation for him to be in just because you're too lazy to get out of bed. Like, that's a bit... I mean, considering all the stuff they have done behind Philip's back yeah. anyway, I don't think him giving her breakfast in her room that she shares with him, if he is not there, yes, I don't consider that as big, a, like, a huge deal. But also, like, I think we failed to mention 
or maybe we did last week, that the story is that Clay and Elena are yes. cousins. Yeah. So. No funny business. Yeah. But like, they're just so natural with each other. Like, I feel like Philip has to be an idiot. Well, let's let's get a bit further into this week and yeah. see. But yeah. yes. <laughs> so, yeah, she's expecting, basically, Clay to come into the room with her food. And then she hears Philip talking and she's like, what the fuck? So she rushes out. And um, I guess Philip is like not immediately in the room because she's like, Clay, you have to put a normal amount of food for like a normal amount of people. And then he already had that. So yeah, she just expected him to not act normal in front of Philip, try to make it weird or something. But he's he's completely not. He's like being a perfect gentleman. And other than like not really talking much to Philip, which like is rude, but. You can't really blame him after what the situation is like. So um, so she has to go to work, obviously, but she agrees to lunch with Clay. And at lunchtime, they meet up and he brings her to the University of Toronto. And she almost refuses to go because it's, it's where they actually fell in love. Uh, but she doesn't want to kind of give him the satisfaction of not doing something because of feelings. (laughs) Uh, uh, We get another flashback here, which is not surprising. And she admits that she told him more than she's ever told anyone else. Um, She wanted him to know her and love her regardless of like her past, even though her past was not her fault. Um, But she does, uh, she does just mention that like, she, opened herself up so much to him. And I guess the fact that she didn't know as much about him, because obviously he had to lie about his childhood. He was turned at such a young age and he was keeping all that a secret. So that, that kind of hurts her in a way that like, she thought that he was open with her and that he was being truthful, but he had to admit so much about his childhood that she feels like that is more of a betrayal than him actually biting her which is a wild thing to say because she clearly took being bitten very badly. <laughs> so I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, uh, it's a lot. But like, I guess the only thing I can think of is like, maybe this is her epiphany moment. Mm. Like maybe this is her like, Oh wow. Maybe I wasn't actually pissed that he bit me all these years. Maybe it was the lying. Yeah. The not knowing part. him. And giving so much of myself thinking, yeah, yeah. And it that could be it too, yeah. So obviously there's kind of a lot happening with the three of them living in this very tiny home, apartment, condo. And Philip is kind of starting to notice that Elena is acting different than normal. So she's more, I'll say aggressive and snappy at Clay than Philip has ever seen her. And that's not a side that, He's ever noticed. So anyway, he just knows that it's weird. And I think she's also happier than he's ever seen her with Clay as well. So it's like her emotions are higher on both sides than he's ever seen. And I think he's kind of starting to realize that something is up. So he, Philip, asks her out to dinner alone. 
And it's kind of, I guess, like a date. They go to dinner and then they're thinking maybe we'll go to the theater. Um, But Elena talks about how awkward it is. Uh, It's like she forgot how to act around him. And it's just very weird. But he does mention that, like, he might be in his head too much, but he he feels like he's left out and he doesn't really know how to... I guess, act around the two of them. Um, Like, I feel like he could have had this conversation better, but he can obviously feel that there's something going on, not necessarily romantically between them because he still thinks that they're cousins. Um, (laughs) (laughs) But he, he can tell that they have a bond and he feels like a third wheel. And like... I definitely feel like the conversation could have gone better than it did, but I do understand how awkward it must be to be him and be like, am I reading this wrong? Am I just crazy? Like, they're cousins. Well, I guess that's it, right? Like, they are supposed to be cousins, so I guess maybe he's looking at it as a, they're being very flirtatious and, like, sort of lovey, but that's not right because they're cousins. Yeah. Right. So he's definitely, I think, doubting himself because of that. But at the same time, there's no way he can't, there's no way he doesn't notice mm-hmm. exactly. them together. Right. Like, yeah. They are, I'm going to say they're effortless. Right. Yes. Like, she tries so hard with Philip to be steady, even keeled. Um, you know, she has to, she can't eat as much at once. She can't show how strong she is. She has to pace herself all the time. She can't show her wide range of emotions. Mm-hmm. But with Clay, it is like, it's a natural, it's effortless for her to be with him. She can be her true self and doesn't have to watch what she says all the time. Yeah, yeah. I think that's exactly it. And then it it's even more shown and I think one of the next scenes, um, you get a kind of a view of Elena and Clay's day together and they go to like Chinatown and they're just walking around and they're like people watching and laughing and like having fun. And it's obvious that she enjoys her time more with him than she is with Philip right now. So it was just a a juxtaposition of their days. Um, Well, and I just like the way that I imagine it is I imagine like, Say if you're somebody who likes pizza, beer, and cheap movies. Me. Right? Well, but all of us. Yes. Are we kidding? <laughs> That's why we're friends. Yeah. <laughs> but you meet somebody and they're great, but they like museums and they like fancy dinners and they like those poignant films that always get, uh, you know, voted for at the Oscars. Yeah. Right, like other than than those films, although some of the films we like are also those. But I'm like, we're also that too. People are too complex to put into these boxes. (laughs) (laughs) But I guess in my head, the way I feel she is, she is pizza, beer, and Mm -hmm. like, and Marvel movies. Yeah. And while she can function in museums and like artsy fartsy places mm-hmm. and like business dinners and all that jazz she can do it but she's not really she's enjoying a, it yeah she's putting on an act almost yeah so like it's obvious that we see that with philip she's doing the act whereas with 
Clay, she's genuinely just enjoying herself. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, so obviously because of this, Elena and because of their off go date, um, Elena is feeling the tension with Philip and she's kind of taking it out on Clay, which isn't surprising at all because that's how she rolls. She, she knows Clay's going to always be there. So she's kind of like not the nicest to him. Um, so Philip was going to meet her for lunch. But he messages to say he can't make lunch because he's golfing. Ugh. Um, yeah. Which is also another thing that I think that she's just not. And there's no. even like a like an, a good, I think, scene in this part where it kind of shows the difference between them. Which like you don't need to have every single extracurricular activity slash hobby in your life be the same as your significant other. But no. he golfs every weekend at least once maybe twice and she said that she went with him once and she was just like there's too many rules for her because you needed to make like what you wore was dictated and like you couldn't have short sleeves I think is one thing that she said and it just obviously isn't something that she is good with because she's not good with rules in general so it definitely does show her personality a bit more, but like their their hobby their hobbies, especially if it's a hobby you're gonna do every weekend, maybe you should have a bit more compatibility. And like Philip works a lot. A lot. Like it's obviously over forty hours a week. It's not a regular job. He's like got night meetings and he's got overnight things. So like it's clear they like do they spend time together? I don't really know. Yeah. So Philip sends her flowers again to apologize because he's basically gone all day. And then he says he has a meeting in Montreal. So he's got to take a train to Montreal that afternoon. So he's there for the next morning. Uh, So he's not coming home until sometime the next day, basically. And when she gets these flowers, I think she feels a bit embarrassed and defensive about Philip. And she kind of like, Clay's obviously there. She's kind of like, see, he's so thoughtful. He brought these flowers. And like, she even is like, what, like, she asks him, I know you want to say something. Like, what do you want to say? And he's like, no, I don't have anything to say. And then she was like, well, I think she point blank asks Clay what he thinks of Philip. And Clay says that Philip's a decent guy. He's good and patient and caring and uh doesn't that remind elena of someone and elena's (laughs) like clearly not you and he's like not not talking about me darling because he says darling um but yeah she doesn't understand it at this point and like we'll figure out who he's talking about a bit later but it's just just an interesting we all know yeah (laughs) we all know who it is yeah but she she cannot grasp it which is just kind of funny but i think she needs to go through that process to figure out everything in the end so because philip's gone for the night elena and clay decide to go for a run um they decide to walk to the ravine and that obviously takes a while but they have the whole night so it's fine um then they go their separate ways to kind of change. And Elena is kind of like struck by how natural she feels changing because she's never felt this natural in Toronto before. 
Um, she like is always trying to keep her good side out as a human, but it's obviously unnatural to her and it's hard to keep up. Um, and she says like, maybe the key to balance is to let more of her personality, which is like confrontational, sarcastic, like more of that side of her personality out and stop trying to repress it. And like, maybe it's okay to be not a good human all the time. Well, I think she also says too, that like, she, I think she likened those characteristics that she didn't like about herself, like her confrontationalness and her sort of her sauciness, mm. you know, she and, you know, the aggressiveness, she associates them with her wolf, mm-hmm. but she's sort of now sort of coming to the realization that those bits were always there. Like she always had those traits. Yeah. It wasn't just her becoming a werewolf that made these things happen to her. She was always that way. Yeah. So, you know, it's it's nice seeing her start to really embrace who she is as a person. Yeah, completely agree. So after the run, um, they just lay naked, of course, in the clearing. And Elena mentions that their blood is so hot they could have been in a snowbank and not noticed. So that kind of clears up the whole freezing after a run and sleeping outside thing. Cause we did kind of worry, wonder about that a few weeks ago too. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they just kind of lie there and talk. And once they're like rested properly, clay produces some sparklers and says that it's a fireworks weekend up here. All I can think of is Canada day possibly. Yeah. I mean, there's not, I don't really know of any other Canadian holiday where you would do fireworks. Like, New Year's, but it's not New Year's. No. Anyway, not sure, but so we'll say Canada Day. Yeah. So this is kind of a part that I kind of think wouldn't necessarily be written like this if the book was newer. But Elena kind of talks about how she loves sparklers a lot. And she says that for a 30 year old, like it's not something that is okay. And like I feel like kind of in the world that we're in now it's okay for 30 year olds to be obsessed with silly things like yeah I feel like it might have been written differently if it was done now than it was then but yeah but we also have to think that like she was deprived so intensely of a childhood like being sexually abused and like given from home to home to home that I'm sure she never got to experience sparklers and waving them around and stuff like that yeah so not as much as she should have yeah for sure yeah so she does mention that she the reason she likes them so much is because it's one of the only things she remembers about her parents is um i guess the candidate probably before they died and her first ever sparkler uh so it is it's definitely also something that like keeps her closer to her parents as much as she can be Um, she, she also mentions that she doesn't mind Clay seeing how much she loves sparklers because he doesn't understand human things anyway, and he wouldn't know to kind of like make fun of her for liking something like that. Um, can I just say though, who doesn't like a sparkler? I know. Like even as an adult, yes, I, I will happily wave a sparkler around and write things in the sky a hundred million percent. Yeah, I know. So... Like, I get that maybe she's a little, like, 
oh, I don't want to admit how much I love them. But, like, who the fuck cares? Yeah. And I guess the other thing, too, is, like, she's she's keeping this, like, perfect persona on for Philip. And Philip doesn't know anything about her childhood or her past. And, like, he doesn't know that she loves him because she is, like, a grown woman who is a professional, I, I guess, is kind of, like, what she's putting out. So I, I can see why she kind of feels that way. But I think all all people love sparklers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> If you don't love sparklers, you don't know what you're missing. Yes. Go buy one and you'll love it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So Elena takes the first sparkler and she kind of writes with it. Um, Before it's kind of like gone out, there's a bit of cute banter between her and Clay. And Clay's just like, it's almost out. Throw it and make a wish. And she's like, "That's, that's for birthday candles. You don't throw sparklers. And he says, you did throw the birthday candles once, cake and all. And like. It's a cute thing about, not cute, but it's cute banter. And it's kind of a thing about their past. Like, obviously, they have a lot going on. But I kind of liked it. It was very cute. Yeah. Um, He tells her she may as well make it a new werewolf superstition. (laughs) Um, So that one's out. She throws it. And Elena gets the next sparkler. And she's twirling. Uh, She almost falls. But Clay kind of, like, steadies her. And he, he tells her that he loves her. And I think in this scene, she almost says it back, but she kind of freezes. And she she won't let the words out, obviously. But he tells her it's not a trick and he's not trying to romance her. He just wants to kind of like ease off so she can make the right choice for her. And like, I think that is so impressive and like mature in a way that we were told that he is not and like maybe he's kind of like figuring it out now that he has to like give her the room and space to do it but if i were him i would have been like fuck you fuck philip i'm out like yeah anyway i i also think that again we're getting it from elena's Mm -hmm. we're getting it from elena's point of view so i i feel like a lot of her identity has been about villainizing clay yeah. So it's and you know like realistically we didn't get a whole lot of time seeing them together not in like stressful situations. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like she went back to Stonehaven and oh there's a problem and like then oh there's a murder, oh there's another murder. Like yeah. People are getting hurt. So like they're not they're not like they're not spending time together in a way that's not like life or death. Yes. So I feel like finally now seeing them behave like a typical couple would behave, mm-hmm. we're finally getting the real Clay and sort of it's like a, well, he's actually not a terrible person. Yes. Yeah. And I do think that like he's probably grown a lot over these years and Elena's not giving him credit for it because obviously everybody grows. This has been a bunch of years. Like it's not like yeah. he's not going to grow as a person in that time. So she's obviously very confused over what choice she should make as she has been the entire book and she throws the sparkler and she makes a wish and she wishes she knew what she wanted. Um, So then they, they sleep in the forest, which I guess is completely normal for them. (laughs) And then they walk back and get breakfast in downtown Toronto and sitting there eating breakfast. Elena is like truly happy. 
So they go back to the apartment and Elena is going to be late for work, but she doesn't really care. And then they open the door and Philip is sitting there kind of like an overprotective dad. Elena is like already trying to think of excuses as she walks into the door. And Philip is like, I need to talk to Elena. And Clay like goes to like walk into the shower, which is his go-to lately. But Philip's like, no, get the fuck out. He doesn't swear. But (laughs) (laughs) he's like, no, I need to talk to her alone. Please leave. Um, And Clay leaves. He just goes downstairs. But Philip reveals that he lied, which is, I, I was kind of impressed with him at this point. Like, I didn't think he had it in him, to be honest. Uh, I wasn't, I wasn't a fan of this move. No, I, I think no. they could have had a conversation about it. It could have gone better. But like, Elena also was lying. There was no good move here. No, you're right. I, I like, I feel bad for him, but I also like. I don't think deceiving her when she had just like a lovely evening and mm. like finally realized some shit about herself and like, you know, we genuinely see her happy and then mm. he's like, psych, that was all a ruse. Yeah. You know what I mean? I just think it's like, it's manipulative to me. Yes. But I also think that it helps push her into the right direction in the end. Mm. But Yeah. So he didn't have a meeting. He stayed, and I'm like, in that chair all night? Like, (laughs) he basically just stayed there waiting for them. And he he did think that they were screwing. But he's like, he's like, you wouldn't have to leave for that. So clearly it's not that. Um, But he does say that he knows that Clay is in love with her, which is obvious. Like... But also cousins. So Philip wants Clay gone today. And Elena's like, yeah, he won't be here much longer. And he's like, nope, I need him gone now. He also reveals he didn't even go golfing. He went to look at houses. And but like, who goes to look at houses by <laughs> themselves when they are shopping for them and their spouse? Right? Also, if you've like... If you've barely talked about buying a house together, like I thought they talked about maybe getting a condo together when their lease was up, but he's like, we're going to sublet this place and we're going to buy a fucking house. And she's like, (laughs) what? (laughs) Like, So he, he wants to buy a house and him to him, I will underline with my voice. That means marriage and kids and everything. Also his words. And I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I get it. Buying a house is a big deal. And I do, in my head, I'm like, buying a house is a huge commitment. And if I'm going to do it without with somebody, then yes, it does. It does mean a lot. But you can't just say that and that be your proposal. Because he's literally in his next line. He's like, go to work and think about it. He doesn't need the answer now. But he'll get her a ring and do it right. And it's like, you just basically proposed and that that in a moment of anger, basically, that she didn't come home. And that's your that's your proposal? I don't like yeah, it. Yeah. <laughs> no. I don't like it either. And this is coming from me, and I started planning my wedding before I got a proposal. <laughs> 
Yes, but I don't know. Like, they clearly have so much going on in their relationship. Like, he's like, you need to stop leaving at night. <laughs> like, you think more lies is going to fix this? Just seems a bit much. Um, So she leaves to go to work, but she's, like, kind of excited about the, in my words, not proposal. Possibly a panic proposal is what I see it as. Maybe a bit yeah. of manipula- manipulation proposal. Hmm. So her her main kind of thought is whether it's even possible if she could, like, sustain this life. And it's really not, obviously, for anybody on the outside. Well, yeah, I guess her thing is, can I keep this a secret yes. from him? Yeah. Like, forever. <laughs> but, like... I think we've already established that they they don't age as quickly. Mm-hmm. Like, they do have longer lifespans. Like, what's going to happen then? What's going to happen when he realizes she cannot have children? Like, uh, yeah, there's a lot of issues that she doesn't think of. And, like, he's already, I think, like, I want to say 10, 15 years older. Yeah, he's already, like, approaching 40, if not 40 already. Yeah, yeah. So it just seems a bit wild. But like while she's thinking through this, she doesn't even let herself wonder if Philip is actually like the right person for her. She's just trying to figure out logistically if she can like make it work. And then Yeah. Feelings aside, could I logistically do this? Exactly. And then she's like she wonders if she could tell Philip. And she's like when she was engaged to Clay, she says that she would have accepted him if he had told her that he was a werewolf. Which obviously is easy to say in hindsight, also when you're a wolf yourself. But I think that she probably actually would have. And yeah. it just tells you how much she did love him at that specific point in time. That she honestly would have been like, yeah, that's completely... obviously, Maybe not completely fine, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Uh, So she is in her office and Clay calls her and says he's coming to meet her and she agrees and he's there trying to explain his case of why she should let him talk to her and she already agreed. He's like, oh, okay, well, I'll be there in 15 minutes. Um, Elena like goes downstairs to wait for him and she she kind of thinks she's feeling a bit anxious, but it's clearly something else. She actually momentarily blacks out. And um, she just keeps ignoring the anxiety, thinking it's just about the situation she's in. And she waits before she, like, finally is like, I should go back to the apartment to make sure that everything's okay. It's like, Clay would only have taken, if he said he was going to be there in 15 minutes, you should expect him in five. Like, he's not one to make her wait at all. Um, At the apartment... She pushes the door open and she finds Philip on the ground bleeding. And she is obviously in panic mode. And the first thing she thinks is that it's Clay who did it, which uh, it kind of hurt my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> uh, like, I guess, yeah, it's like, how can you love somebody and then be like, well, yeah, I think you attacked my potential fiance on the ground. Yeah. Like, I don't know. I agree. So I was just like, are we doing this again? We've done this already before in this book. I just feel like maybe we shouldn't jump here again. Anyway, 
then she notices, she goes to the phone to call 911 and she notices that the phone, like the cord to the phone is cut. And then she's like, I know it's not Clay. Like maybe he would attack Philip if Philip was an ass to him or something, but he wouldn't be sadistic enough to actually make it so that I can't save his life. Mm -hmm. So she eventually finds Philip's cell phone and calls 911. Then she smells Philip, which she should have done in the first place, but okay. And she she realizes that it was Thomas LeBlanc that did this. So she binds his wounds with torn sheets. And then she notices a syringe under the table and she kind of goes to check it. And she notices Clay's wedding ring and a note from D, I'll say with quotation marks, on the table telling her to meet him at a motel the next day at 10 a.m. So D is Daniel, obviously, because Thomas LeBlanc is the one that stabbed Philip. Um, so, so the mutts have clay. And so they drug, they must have drugged him with a syringe. Cause doesn't she like smell the syringe does, to figure yeah. out? She smells the... both sides. So she smells the tip and she was like, that went into clay. And then she smells the plunger and she was like, Daniel pushed that. And then she smells inside of the syringe. And she's like, that's chemically. That's a chemical. That's a chemical. So that's what happened. Yes, she she does feel realize that. Um, so she she kind of realizes that when she blacked out before, that was her reacting to Clay being like sedated, knocked out. Yeah. yeah. Um. So clearly, there's a bond between Maker and Werewolf. Yeah. Is that see? I took that as like a mate thing. And maybe it's just because I've read too much Sarah J. Maybe. But like, because I thought they mentioned that some at some point that she she talked about how mates had like, could like feel each other's emotions and stuff. But she was like, it's obviously like not possible to test because there's no female mates. I just thought that she had said that she felt it with Clay. And my assumption, because I'm reading a bunch of vampire shit lately, was (laughs) that it was like, maker to your maker like a lot of vampire lore if your maker is killed then you feel it right so yeah that's kind of where my brain went but either way i think she was being willfully willfully ignorant not realizing (laughs) what was happening yeah um but she she kind of tells herself that he has to be alive and she would obviously know otherwise and like i i 100 agree i think she would know uh, because she'd probably black out again <laughs> or worse. Um, so she, she goes to leave to go meet Daniel, go get clay basically. But Philip wakes up as she's trying to like step over his body on the floor. <laughs> and she tells him that help is on the way, but he's really worried about her. Uh, because he knows that the men that came in and broke into the house are looking for her. So he says that she can't leave. And she kind of starts panicking because she needs to get to the hotel to help Clay. And Philip is kind of like blocking her way. But he's also 
panicking a bit because they broke into their home and stabbed him. And they're looking for her. So he's very adamant that she shouldn't leave. Um, but also, she wants to leave and he is still like very injured. Yes. that's <laughs> So I feel like her choice has been made, right? Yes. Like she keeps trying to leave. She's like, an ambulance will come downstairs. Like, don't worry about it. They're like, yeah. hey, how's the ambulance going to get up if nobody can buzz them in? This is a condo. <laughs> like, I'm sure there's security people somewhere and they'll eventually let them in. Like, but we don't know for like if the security guard might be on a break. Are we sure someone's <laughs> going to let them in? It just seems, it seems a bit much that she's just like, yeah, I need to leave him. Peace out, Philip. He'll be you fine. Might be almost, you might be almost dying, but it's fine. Yeah. So it, she does tell him she's going to go downstairs and wait for the ambulance, uh, which is a lie. <laughs> she is not planning on doing that. But she actually starts panicking so much that it kind of forces the change on her right in front of Philip. And he is terrified. Um, so Alina's wolf form keeps panicking and she's very afraid of where Clay is. And all she can think of is to run. And it's funny because I literally just reread Blood and Chocolate and this is exactly what happened in it is, um, she changed in front of the guy and then jumped out a balcony. (laughs) But she does the same thing and she flies out the balcony and she hurts her paw. And I'm thinking it's kind of like if you twist your ankle when you like land a bit weird. Mm. Oh, yeah. But a wolf. And she's in the middle of downtown Toronto. Just jumped out (laughs) of a balcony. And she runs into the parking garage. Um, She has a bit of a panic here because she needs to change back and get her ID and money and obviously clothes. But she can't go back because Philip is there. The ambulance is going to be there soon. So she's just like, I can't think about this any longer. I just need to be moving. I need to, I need to run. Yeah. Um, all she can think about is the deadline. And I feel like, especially as a wolf, her like thoughts are more one-tracked than they would have been if she could actually stop and think about it as a human. But she doesn't let herself. Um. So this part is like a bit crazy and the way the book is written it's almost like it's Elena reflecting on it and it isn't her thoughts at the moment because she does say she would have been smarter to wait in the parking garage and like get a flight to the states yeah Um, like wait like wait for the ambulance to come pick up Philip and then go back into their apartment grab her stuff yeah yeah 100% would have been smart yeah and like I still I don't I don't really know how long this journey is and if it's even possible for an animal to do or what Toronto to like upstate New York. Yeah. I don't even know how long that would take in a car. I don't know if you could drive it. Um, so she says that she couldn't imagine waiting. So she just kind of like shuts her brain off and just runs. And she she like hit a barrier she says at niagara falls border crossing but after a bit of thought she was lucky enough to be able to slip into the back of a truck trailer that like had a canvas flap over the back i don't understand why like if she's a wolf 
Like, why is that running into a problem at the border? Like, she's just an animal. Like, why couldn't she just cross the border as an animal and everybody be like, oh, my God, it's an animal. And then just be like, okay, and I'll prance away. Yeah, at the I feel like at the border, there's a lot of people with guns and they don't just let animals on the roads, though. But they're not going to shoot a wolf for being on the road, she's especially huge. if it sort of, especially if it sort of stays like on the side and doesn't try and veer into traffic. I don't know. Like, it's like when there's bears and stuff around, they catch them and relocate them. So I guess there's the fear of like, would they tranquilize her and then take her somewhere? I guess. Release her into the wild and then she's even yes. more screwed. Or put her when in a I, zoo. <laughs> when I drive on the highway, I've seen bears. Oh, yeah, for sure. But I think the, the border crossing is a bit different anyway <laughs> because like... I guess. There's people watching everywhere near it so that you can, like, check that nobody's yeah, trying to run across. So, yeah. I, I, I barely, I've only <laughs> once or twice ever crossed a border in car because yeah. coming from where we are, you fly everywhere. <laughs> but, um, yeah. So once the truck basically gets across, she realizes that they're heading in the wrong direction and she panics and just jumps out of the back. And obviously, she hits her left paw hard again, and she notices her stomach's growling in protest because she missed multiple meals, but she's kind of too panicked to stop running, and she knows if she stops, she might not be able to start again. So she turns off her brain again and keeps running. Um, Around midnight, she hears Jeremy in her head, which is impossible, as we said earlier, He can only contact them when they're sleeping. So she kind of wonders if she's hallucinating, but she can't really answer him well. uh, So she just sends him images of like where she is basically. Um, And she just, she just keeps running, but eventually she actually does start hallucinating. Um, She sees images of clay and of Toronto and Stonehaven. Um, she never sees images of Philip, which is interesting, in is my it, opinion. Is it interesting? Just another fun tidbit to point out. <laughs> Someone should be pointing out to Elena. Uh, but she eventually blacks out. So she wakes up in a field, confused and unable to move. And um, at this point, she's a human again. Um, and Jeremy shows up and picks her up. And she tries to tell them about the deadline, but she's like so exhausted and she can't do it. And she just passes out again. Um, The next time she wakes up, she's still in the car and Nick is there and she tries to ask what time it is, but she can't really get it out. And Nick tries to give her water, but she's finally able to like ask the time and is told that it's 1130. So she starts to full on panic. She obviously isn't thinking right, or she could like use her words, but she like tries <laughs> to scratch and punch and kick her way out of the car. She gets the door open, but she's pulled back, and Jeremy kind of like knocks her out gently by like a <laughs> pressure point or some shit. Like, <laughs> of course, he can do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, she. She wakes up in a memory, which I think is just another way to show us a flashback. 
but she's thinking of the times that she was in the cage before when Jeremy put her there because she was uncontrollable. And she is just thinking of like the few times that clay was sitting outside and asking her to like behave so that she could be let out and that kind of thing. But she's also in the cage in real life now. And Jeremy is outside. So she somewhat tries to explain to him the issues and asks him to let her go, but she's also not being logical. Obviously she's clearly panicking. She's been panicking since she walked into the apartment. So yeah. Uh, He, Jeremy tells her that he can't let her out. Um, She would just throw herself away too with Clay instead of saving him. And she would doom them both kind of. And um, Elena is super mad at Jeremy because, well, she kind of tells him she is. I feel like she just kind of does things that she knows will hurt his feelings. She's like, if something happens to him, it's all your fault because you won't, you didn't let me get to him. And he's like, he doesn't even say anything. And then she's like, actually, it's all my fault. Like, I should have been there. And she she even says that, like, she kind of breaks down a bit. And she's like, I can't believe you didn't tell me. And Jeremy's like, what do you mean? She's like, you didn't tell me that Clay was in danger, too. It wasn't just about, like, protecting her. She should have been protecting Clay. Yeah. And I do kind of like that they didn't take the damsel in this book. Like, I do like that twist that it was actually like clay, the big powerful guy was the one that was taken and it kind of wasn't what I expected to happen. And obviously it wasn't what they expected either, but it was a nice twist in the book. Mm -hmm. And I like that. Obviously he's, he's caught. So I like that. She's the one that she's going to be the hero. Mm -hmm. She's the one doing the rescuing. Yes, exactly. So she has to spend the night in the cage. And she's crying and raging, and then she feels embarrassed. But Jeremy, like, knows her too well, so he knows that he can't let her out right now because she's not ready to be sensible, to say the least. Um, Jeremy does tell her that he contacted Daniel through a P.O. box, which is kind of dating them, um, that (laughs) he gave them. And you're like, cell phones are a thing. I know I've had this conversation every fucking week, but <laughs> cell phones are they a are. thing. They're a thing. And, but, but, like, it's not like we're talking, like, 20 years ago, people had, like, the Zach Morris, like, <laughs> box phone. <laughs> no. Like, like the cell phones were a thing. Yeah. Like, a full-on thing. Like, you could get a cell phone. It might have been a flip phone. You can still text. Just seems wild. Yeah. Anyway, so he, I guess, sent Daniel a message and said that Elena wouldn't be there, but that they were willing to negotiate. And he kind of reasons with Elena that Daniel knows how much Clay means and that they wouldn't and that they would obviously do a lot to get him back. So they're not going to kill him like he's a bargaining piece. They can't just kill him. That'd be ridiculous. So the next morning, uh, Jeremy comes down and they have a response from Daniel. And it's a photo of a drugged and bound Clay. And he is beaten to shit. But it's from that day. There's like a newspaper in it like they always do. All those kidnappers do. Yeah. Elena asks to see the letter that obviously came with it. But they're keeping it from her. And as a reader... 
we all know it's because the only thing that Daniel wants is Elena. So clearly that's what he's asking for. So like, I get Jeremy's trying not to let her know that, but like she should know that. I don't even know why she's asking for the letter. You know what he wants. Um, she asks Jeremy to help and to be let out of the cage, but Jeremy just says that he'll be back later. So he does actually let her out that afternoon and she immediately obviously wanted to know his plans, but he won't tell her. She apologizes for Toronto saying it's her fault and that like, she's sorry that she screwed up and stuff, but he disagrees and he kind of admits to her that like, this is something that he wouldn't tell anyone else, but he wasn't ready for this kind of like test to his alphaness. And, and by that, we mean a bunch of rogues banding together, turning a bunch of serial killers and <laughs> trying to usurp him. How foolish he wasn't ready for this. <laughs> right? Like, doesn't everybody consider that like day one basic? Day yeah. one. Come on. Come on, Jeremy. <laughs> so, yeah, he kind of admits that he screwed up, which is like, I think big of him, but yeah. Also, I don't think like this is his best use of people to not tell them things. And like he should have known her better. Like he does know her well, but he should have known her better in this part. I, but I, I also will say that I feel like a part of it too is that like she left. Mm. Like maybe he's not telling her because like God only knows maybe she'll leave again. Like I just like, I feel like she shouldn't be able to demand that he tell her things like you left yeah. and you were adamant that you were done. Yeah. So like, I don't think she's allowed regardless of what clay means to her mm-hmm. or like, regardless of anything, she doesn't get to demand shit. Yeah. She's been back for two weeks. Yeah. And in the beginning of it, she was like, I'll only help you guys kill, find this Slash kill this one mutt if you let me leave for reals. So, yeah. So, he doesn't tell her anything. Which, sure. (laughs) And Elena... You do you. You do you. (laughs) Uh, Elena kind of enlists Nick as a co-conspirator. And she forms her own plan while kind of still playing the, like, pissed role that Jeremy expects. So, like, she's not... She's not being docile or anything. She's still clearly visibly pissed that she doesn't know what's going on. Um, But she's trying to figure out as much as possible and kind of make her own plan. She does at this point call the hospital to check on Philip. (laughs) And he's going to be fine. No big deal. All good. Um, Now we can just forget about Philip. Throw him to the side. Completely gone. So... (laughs) She pretends to be his sister and they're like, do you want to talk to him? And she's like, hell no. Um, Mostly because she's afraid of his reaction to her wolf change, which is like. Valid point. Very valid. Like, duh. Um, Her next move is to call the local realtors and the cottage association and check on any homes or cottage sales slash rentals in the area which is I thought was like a very brilliant idea on her part. It it doesn't pan out, but I just, I thought that it was very smart and I don't know if I would have thought of that. Mhm. Um Elena then 
like talks to Jeremy again and he says that like he understands that she's upset because she cares about clay he's like we all care about clay and she's like that's not why i'm just upset because it's my fault that he's gone and like she feels responsible and you're just like you silly girl (laughs) bitch get a clue bitch get a clue that too yeah (laughs) so elena also starts to kind of think about like the dynamics of pack life. So like the alpha leads completely alone. They make the decisions. Everyone else follows completely without question. And she kind of thinks that that's is, isn't the way that they should be living. Like it would be helpful to give advice. Um, but she knows that Jeremy wouldn't, wouldn't be able to take it because he's in the same mindset of like, he has to make the decisions. He has to come up with everything. But it, it is just kind of a look into like how she thinks that pack dynamics could maybe evolve in the future. Which is, yeah, sort of like a little nugget for future books. If anybody gets into them and like reads ahead. Yeah. It's just a just a little nugget. Uh so uh Elena decides to find out more about the other serial killer that no one has met yet. So we've met Thomas LeBlanc, who is Carl Marston, our like sophisticated, like fancy jewel thief wolf. So Thomas LeBlanc is his sort of protege. That's the serial killer he turned. We haven't met the serial killer that Daniel turned yet. So Elena decides, I mean, he's obviously in the mix, so we should probably do a little research about him. Uh, So his name is Victor Olson. Apparently they broke him out of jail because he was in jail for raping and killing a 10-year-old girl. So already we can tell he's a real prize. Decent human. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so it sort of said that like he was – obviously he's a huge jerkwad. Um, but there was some issues with his case. Like he was convicted – of only being a lifetime pedophile. Um, But apparently the judge didn't find the victim testimony reliable enough for a conviction. And then I guess he got out after and killed her then. Yeah. And then went to jail. It like just shows you like, I'm sure stuff like that happens all the time. So like the justice system really blows. Yeah. Right. Daniel sort of picked him because he was a super skilled stalker. Uh, Apparently she was reading an article about him and a cop that was on the case said he'd never seen someone so skilled at quote unquote the hunt. Like, I'm sorry. If you are a policeman, (laughs) you do not ever Say that about a child molester slash murderer to a journalist. Like, I just, I just, I just, I don't, I just can't. No. Like, you dummy. Are you you trying to be canceled? (laughs) (laughs) Or like, are you trying to, like, he was essentially complimenting a murderer. Yes. Yeah. Oh man, you're you're so good at stalking and killing people. Congratulations. Yeah. It's like what is wrong with him? Too much. If I had access to this fictional character, I would <laughs> smack him upside the head. Yes, I agree. <laughs> so, um 
I guess after like getting this information, she decides that she needs to do the laundry. So, you know, nice domestic, domestic chore for her. She like was folding Clay's clothes and it made her sad and like she could still smell him and but whatever. She put them away. And when she was putting the clothes away into his closet, she found a huge pile of Christmas presents for her. So we talked last week about how um, everyone had expected her to come back for Christmas and she didn't. And Nick made the comment in last week's episode that, well, Clay didn't show his face because he was busy waiting for you. So like he was constantly out in the driveway waiting for you to come and you never came. Mm. So this was sort of her sort of, oh shit moment. Like, (laughs) yeah, like shit. I, you know, they were waiting for me to come back. And it just blows my mind that she never considered that. Mm -hmm. Like, I understand she was busy having her own life and doing her thing, but like she didn't even like call anybody to say she wasn't coming or like, anyway, just like, I feel like this is her realization that she actually, um, that she actually had people that cared about her. And she was the one that was being shitty. Yes. Um, so then she starts talking Christmas. So she said that Clay was the one who had given her her first real Christmas. Um, she said, like, even though she did celebrate with her foster families when she was in foster homes, she said she felt like it was fake because there was no real, like, attachment or bond with any of them. Um, apparently, Clay spent weeks researching uh researching the holiday and gave her all the trappings of a traditional Christmas. Mm. And then I guess they had ended up breaking up like right before Easter. And then the next Christmas, she was a werewolf and she was still in and out of the cage for being like wild. (laughs) Um, And Clay was also banished for turning her. So they didn't really have a Christmas that year. Then the very next year, they, uh, I guess, Jeremy and Nick and Antonio and Logan and Peter all gave uh, Elena this gigantic family Christmas, but it was Clay's idea. And even though he was still banished, he asked Jeremy to organize it for Elena. Mm -hmm. Um, So for Christmas that year, her gift to Clay was to repeal his banishment. So that's how he became unbanished. Yeah. Because really, I think the only reason Jeremy kept him banished was because he knew that Elena struggled so much with obviously her life and would struggle even more if he was around. So like, I don't, I think Jeremy had probably already forgiven him realistically. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Um, she sort of thought in her head that Clay would always be the most stable thing in her life. And she knew he would always be there when she went back to him, which is like super selfish. Mm-hmm. Like, and we've talked about it before how, you know, but like the fact that, you know, somebody's going to be there for you. So you purposely like she lashed out at him. She hurt him. She was with another dude 
but yet she kept going back to him because he was her safe place. He was her comfort. Like, mm-hmm. like how big of an idiot does she need to be to understand what that means? Yeah. Uh, anyway, this sort of culminated in he's the most stable thing in my life. He'll always be there for me. So I need to get him back. Mm-hmm. Like there's no ifs, ands, or buts. I need to get him back. Uh, so she has a plan. <laughs> I'm um, sure it's very smart. <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll see. Uh, so she sends Daniel a note to meet him in, uh, t- or to meet her in Bear Valley. Uh, Nick is really not happy about it, but she asks him to go with her as her like muscle. She's smart about that anyway. She's not yeah, going alone. Was, yeah, that is smart. Um, they meet at a coffee shop and they just sit and have a chat and have a lovely time. <laughs> lovely. <laughs> He sort of makes his offer. He says, I want you for Clay. Um, And she says that she doesn't actually think he wants her for her. Like, she doesn't think that he actually, like, enjoys anything about her. Mm -hmm. But because Clay has her, it it makes him want her. Yeah. So, like, everything is about spiting Clay. Yeah. Because, like, Daniel knows if I have Elena, Clay will be pissed. And that's what he wants. But he also said he wants her to start his own pack. So we all know what's going to happen. He's like, but we're not going to breed have wolves like everyone else. We're going to breed full werewolves because you're a werewolf. I'm a werewolf. We'll make full wolves. Which is interesting because it's the first time in this book for sure that we ever hear that maybe she could have kids. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Because we have been operating under the assumption that Clay turned her into a wolf, so now she cannot have children. We Mm -hmm. don't actually know that's true. She very well could. She hasn't had any testing done. I don't know if you could even (laughs) test that. Um, But Daniel then says, like, what I'll do is I'll let Clay go. Then I'll take you to a secure location. And essentially, he said he'd put you in a cage. Like, she sort of said, oh, yeah, what, you're going to put me in a cage? And he said, yes, but a nice one, like a mm-hmm. luxurious cage. So, like, what, it's going to have, like, a nice bed in it so that he can... Rape her? Is that yeah, what you're going to get? <laughs> it is, and I just... Didn't want to say it. I know. I don't, I don't like it. No. Uh, so... You know, and he said he'd put her in the cage until she realizes he's the right choice. Like all of the guys, all of the guys think this. They're like, I'll change your mind. I'll make you realize that I'm the one. No. No. (sighs) The last guy that thought that got shot and then hit by a transport truck, sir. So you watch yourself. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. Um, But she actually considers it. Mm-hmm. And I feel like part of it is because one, like, I just feel like she knows that regardless of where she ends up, Clay and Jeremy will, will find her. Yes. But also like if she trades herself, like clearly they hate Clay, they're going to beat him up, but he thinks he's in love with her. So like she will be treated with okay. a modicum. Yeah. A modicum of respect. Yes. And like, if she plays a part, she'll be able to escape eventually. It's yeah. it's the very like same as our 
was it her last book, Shadow and Bone, when she's like, if you let him live, I yeah. won't fight you every day. Yeah. It's, it's the same thing. Yeah. Um, she said that she agreed, so she does agree to the terms, but she says instead of you letting Clay go, she actually wants to see Clay released in a public place before mm. she goes with him because she doesn't trust that Daniel will actually um, do what he says and release him. Mm-hmm. So, although I feel like I don't think he would actually kill Clay because how would her, him having Elena and spiting Clay and like fathering children with Elena, like none of that means much without Clay witnessing it and knowing about it, right? Yeah, I think the only the only issue, I guess, is that like, if if Clay is alive in the world, he is never going to stop looking for Elena. And, like, maybe Daniel doesn't realize that, but we do. So yeah. that's kind of why I'm like, I think he would kill him. Because if he doesn't, he's just going to have a target on his back forever. Like, they're never going to be able to. But at the same time, like, he, he doesn't really fear Clay, right? Like, he thinks yeah. he's better than Clay. He thinks he's smarter, I guess, which is dumb. But I do I do think, yeah, I do think he thinks he's smarter. But it, yeah. So I just, like, I feel like none of it is worth it if he actually kills Clay. Yeah. Like, he's not going to get the same satisfaction. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, Daniel refuses this deal. Uh, he says that he's not going to release Clay until after she goes with him. And this sort of makes her realize that he has no plans to release Clay at all. Mm. So she gets up to leave. She's like, no, you don't have, like, you're not willing to play ball, so I'm going to leave. So Daniel then tries to sort of, like, goad her a little bit. So he's like, oh, well, that's too bad because Clay's not going to last much longer. And that sort of makes her snap. And, like, she sees red and, like, she essentially calls him a joke uh, and sort of then like goads him in return and is like, you had to use a needle to capture him and you beat him up after you drug him so that he can't fight back and he's all tied up. Uh, so she essentially says to Daniel, like, you're not a wolf and you're not a real man either. You're a piece of shit. Yes. Thank you. Uh, and then she even says that if, he hurts Clay or kills him. She will hunt him until the end of the earth. And when she catches him, she's going to castrate him, torture him, and blind him, and keep torturing him for the rest of his life, keeping him alive forever. And, like, that is dedication. Yes. Like, yep. <laughs> that is that is something. Like, Good job. If somebody makes me really mad, I might use this. (laughs) Yeah, that's a good one. Because it is, it's a good, it's a good one. Mm. I can't use it at work, but who knows? Elsewhere in life, you can. Elsewhere in life, yes. Yeah. Anyway, so after that, she sort of gets up to leave and they part ways and She went home back to Stonehaven and then she realizes that that was probably a big mistake. Like all she did really, all she did was just make Daniel angry. Yep. (laughs) And he's probably going to take it out on Clay. So, you know, 
Good job. Good job, Elena. Um, so she realized that in order to find Clay, she was going to have to try and uh, use the new mutts who don't act like wolves, but they act like humans. Like she said, she says that they have been working under the uh, sort of assumption that the werewolves are all going to behave like they usually do. Mm. But as we've seen with Thomas LeBlanc, um, they aren't acting like wolves. They're acting like disturbed humans. So she's going to try and get in their heads by being disturbed humans. Mm. And this is when it's finally her, like, she has her sort of click-in moment that she always had a propensity for violence and anger. And that's what Clay saw in her and found a soulmate in. Um, She said that she knows that it's her upbringing that caused it. And, you know, she was always really good at hiding it. But she said that she has to go back into the mistrust and the hatred and the rage in order to get into the heads of... um, the heads of of the the new serial killer mutts. Mm-hmm. So she's going to try and find them and figure out where they're keeping Clay. So she looks back through the articles uh, about Victor Olson and realizes that he used to watch his victims sleep at night and that it gave them peace. So she thinks that she can find him watching little girls sleeping in Bear Alley. So she sneaks out to go looking for him. And like, gross. Yeah. Like, just gross. But also. super surprising, but gross. Yeah. But also, like, good on her for figuring that out. But Mm -hmm. like, I don't know how you could. Gross. Yeah. Anyway, she does find him. And she sort of just waits until he leaves. And he, he, she follows him out of town. And he parks in this really big overgrown driveway and he goes to sleep. What a moron. Yeah. So she attacks him. And I don't know how she does it, but she manages to like lock him in his seatbelt. I know. she Like the author explained it and I was like, I cannot wrap my hand around what you're saying. <laughs> I do not understand at all. I know. She's like, but and like, then I did this, this, and this, and this. And I'm like, none of those words make sense. No. But yeah, she like... Managed to do something to, like, tie him up with his seatbelt and essentially tying him down so he cannot move. Uh, and then she slashes his wrists to start making him, like, bleed out. And then she starts to question him. And again, I think that is a very smart tactic. Like, Well, oh. yeah. And now if he dies, everyone's going to think he just commit suicide because he's a piece of shit. So you're, like, yeah. brilliant. Yeah. So smart. Agreed. Um, so she interrogates him. He sings like a canary. (laughs) It's true. (laughs) Tells her everything. And afterwards, like she kept saying like, oh, if you don't tell me, uh, you know, I guess you're going to bleed out and die. But if you tell me, I'll wrap you up, I'll wrap up your boot, your wounds and, and it'll staunch the blood in time for you to get to the hospital. And then... So he told her all all the info, and I guess we can see where this is going. She does not 
bind his wounds. She leaves him to bleed out and die. And I think it's just a good call, really. Yeah. She's worried that she'll feel bad about it and stuff, but she's like, how many lies did he tell the kids that he was raping and killing? So Yeah. Anyway, it's just the best scenario, I think, for everybody involved. Agreed. Uh, so she gets back in her car. She calls Nick on a cell phone. <laughs> there are cell phones in this world? <laughs> uh, and she told him what she was doing and told him where the mutts live. Uh, and so they, and so she goes to the mutt's house. Man. So smart. Um, I guess she just not goes up and knocks on the door. <laughs> And Carl Marston answers, and he's like, what are you doing here? Like, you need to leave. I love that part. I, I do, too. <laughs> I like him a lot. Yeah, and, like, even though he's a bad guy right now, mm-hmm. uh, we've talked about how in future books he actually ends up, like, as a main character, and we see sort of his 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 character onion peel mm-hmm. away. So, like, there's a lot more to him than that, and he's sort of – he is trying to – uh, help her out here by saying like mm-hmm. you need to leave you're not going to survive this there's like obviously i think there's at least two other werewolves inside like there's no way she could fight two on one or even three on one no but i also um, i don't really i don't remember him in future books i don't know if i didn't get there or what but you didn't okay I don't remember that, but it's obvious in this that, like, I like him as a character anyway, but it's, in this scene, it's clear that he's trying to get her to, like, just leave. Yeah. You know where we are. Yeah. I think, I think it's Personal Demon, maybe. Mm. It's the story that stars the uh, half-demon Hope. Okay. So, yeah, so Carl is just saying, like, he just wants territory, and that's all he's ever wanted. But the pack never lets him have it because only the pack can have territory. Mutts can never have it. So he's like, I just want some territory so I can settle down, live in a mansion, and, like, just live my life. Live in a mansion. <laughs> and, like, the biggest concern, I think, for mutts staking out territory is that they're worried that it'll start a pattern, like, that people will start noticing killings and stuff like that. But we all know that the werewolves don't have to kill like Mm -hmm. that's not that's just the mutts like that's how they live their lives and they just kill people sometimes carl marston is not on that level like he's not a murderer so like very good at covering his tracks like nobody would actually find him if he did mm -hmm. so yeah so it's i don't i feel like the the pack doesn't have to worry about him with his territory you know what i mean in the Mm -hmm. same way I agree. They don't have to worry that he's going to raise suspicions that he's a werewolf by killing people left, right, and center. Mm-hmm. So um, he's like, just go. Like, give me a little bit of territory and, and run away and come back later, right? Yeah. Um, but, of course, Daniel wakes up and comes to the door. So, obviously, she can't go anywhere now. She's made her bed and now has to lie in it. I don't think she would have left anyway. But I don't think so either. I did appreciate Carl being like, what the fuck, man? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Carl and Daniel sort of tell Thomas LeBlanc to go look for the cavalry. 
uh, not thinking that Elena would come alone. Like they're like, oh, she's not dumb enough to come by herself. She's obviously got people like around. Mm-hmm. Um, so he comes back and he's like, oh yeah, I saw them. They're pulled over by the cops. So that was actually part of her plan that they would eventually come and it wouldn't be three on one. (laughs) It would be like four on one or four on three. So she's like, shit, because they've been pulled over by the cops. Well, she doesn't um, even want to believe it. She's like, I'm just going to pretend that this isn't real. Yeah. <laughs> you can't even do that. <laughs> um, I guess they bring Clay. I guess they've been holding him in the basement and they bring him upstairs. And they're like struggling to reach each other. And like Clay is all bound up. And, you know, I guess they're holding on to her. And like she's, it's just sweet moment. Like hmm. they're fighting so hard to reach each other. Anyway, she sort of offers herself in exchange. She tells him, let Clay go. I'll stay here with you. And Clay's response is, don't you dare. And it just made my heart do a little, like, pitter-patter. It was mm-hmm. just so cute. <laughs> anyway. It was very cute. Um, And then a big twist of the book is coming. <laughs> <laughs> So I guess this is what Daniel sort of wants, right? Wants Elena. But LeBlanc is there and he says, no deal. And then he reaches around and slits Daniel's throat. So like Daniel is supposed to be like our big bad of Mm -hmm. this book, right? Like he's the one that orchestrated the whole let's turn serial killers into werewolves scenario and let's march on the packs that we can have power and blah 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 this was his like his big idea and it just was the most anticlimactic villain death ever yeah but it was also kind of surprising because i honestly didn't think and it just shows you how much all of the werewolves have underestimated this stupid human yeah like elena did it and Jeremy did it when he got stabbed and Peter died and Clay did it ish not to his detriment really like there's not much he could have done in the whole situation when he actually got attacked but everybody underestimated him and he came out on top in this one instance but yeah it was a bit dumb yeah um So, yeah, so I guess Daniel bleeds out and dies. And LeBlanc then turns on Carl Marston. Marston grabs a gun and they sort of agree to go their separate ways. And Marston says, I'm going to take Clay because I just want territory and Clay would be a really good bargaining chip for me. You can take Elena um, because, you know, you have this vendetta with her and you like girls. So. Yeah. You take her. Um, so I guess Carl sort of starts to struggle and like sort of starts to struggle with Elena to try and like get her bound up and ready to go. Um, he's like holding her down uh, and he quote unquote knocks her unconscious. He doesn't, but he tells LeBlanc he does. Mm-hmm. So like she's like on the ground, he's holding her and they have this struggle and then he like pretend hits her and 
makes her like knock act look knocked out but she's not actually knocked out but he's like oh i knocked her out so he goes over to untie clay to take him and leblanc is saying stop like i haven't agreed to this deal of you taking him and me taking her Mm -hmm. uh and then all of a sudden marston carl marston stands up and all of a sudden lunges for leblanc so everybody's just turning on each other it's so, like yeah. all the villains are just like at each other. Like Elena didn't even have to do anything. Which is kind of funny because it's literally the reason that she said that they don't, they can't like team up. In the beginning of the book, she was like, there's no way Mutts would team up together. They mm. can't do that. And then they do fuck it up. <laughs> they do. Yeah. So while they're fighting each other, she crawls over to Clay and gets him like untied and out of his cuffs. Um, He's like, listen, there's no time. You have to get out. And again, like, it's just showing us another side of Clay being, like, super selfless. Like, he's not cared about himself. He's cared about her. Um, And she's, it's, it's only at this point, this is the point where she realizes that she came for Clay because she loved him. Mm-hmm. She didn't come for the pack or for Jeremy. She came for her because she needs Clay. And it's like, Bitch, really? Really? Now you realize you love him? Like, come on. Yep. Come on. I just, anyway, I just, come on. Anyway, she says she would rather die than (laughs) leave him, which is like a bit dramatic, but you know what odds? (laughs) You do you. Um, And this sort of, she starts to change at this point. Um, I guess LeBlanc and Carl Marson's sort of fight peters out and LeBlanc runs away um, and she has to chase him. So this sort of like harkens us back to the very first week when she's, remember, she's changed in the city of Toronto and she's going through the alleys and she stalks this dude and she says, I'm glad he doesn't run because if he ran, I would have to chase him. Mm -hmm. So it's happening here. LeBlanc runs as a human and she has to chase him. Yeah. So he runs into the forest and she goes after him. Uh, He finds a thicket and she's expecting him to change into a werewolf, but he doesn't. He like, he fights it. He is like in the process of changing, but he like, fights back and she notices when she's um sort of looking for him he doesn't use any of his wolf instincts Mm -hmm. so like he could be like sniffing the air to figure out what direction she's coming from and like using his hearing to hear her stepping through the forest but like he doesn't Mm -hmm. he's a moron yep (laughs) um so he hides in this thicket and he's like waiting for her and he jumps out and like slashes her leg and then he sort of like taunts her but like she's a fucking wolf (laughs) and he's got this like little switch blade (laughs) so like she jumps at him and he like has this little switch blade that barely penetrates through her like thick meaty werewolf shoulder meaty yeah (laughs) and she uh rips his throat out Good for her, man. Yeah. 
Like he he scared the shit out of her when he was like stalking her and almost killing her in that parking garage and like almost yep. shot her in the head. That really scared her. I'm really glad she did this for herself. Agreed. And like he also scared her when they were in the um police station. Like he is just yeah. a creepy scary dude and he deserves yeah. this. Yes. 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 That's true. Uh so I guess Jeremy, Antonio and Nick eventually show up like after everything has happened. Mhm. Uh, and they like ream her out for yes. going off by herself. They're like, you are a moron. And she's <laughs> like, yeah. But th- surprisingly, Karl Marston didn't leave. Like he stuck around and like mm. helped like untie Clay and like sort of like yeah. stay with him, which was nice. It was, yeah. He didn't fuck Clay over or fuck no. Lena over just for territory. Yeah. So they agreed to give him territory in Wyoming. I've never been to Wyoming. It feels like cowboyish. Yeah, based on what they said, it's maybe not desirable, but I'm like... Take what you can get. Wouldn't anything be okay? I don't know. Yeah. And also, there may be a new age coming. Yes. (laughs) Yes. But yeah, so he's going to Wyoming. (laughs) That sounds like something. Uh, turns out Clay had a broken leg, four broken ribs, and a dislocated shoulder. Yikes. Um, and she decided that, uh, Elena finally decided that she belongs at Stonehaven. And that's the home she's choosing. So well done on finally making a choice. (laughs) (laughs) Um, but yeah, so like, we all knew it was coming. Mm -hmm. But... She she finally said in her head, that's where she's staying. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, she, like, stayed by Clay's side for weeks. Um, and she finally sees that it's the pack that's actually giving her everything she wanted as a child. Mm-hmm. Like, a stable home and a family and, you know, we, again, I feel like we've been saying this for this whole book. Yeah. That she's clueless that her real family is like right in front of her face. Yeah. Um, and she also finally admits that her personality is not because she's a wolf. Mm-hmm. Like she was already aggressive and hot tempered and moody before she became a werewolf. Mm-hmm. So like, she's finally admitting like, this is who I am. Yeah. Uh, and she's also like, again, this is her epiphanies moment. She also finally realized why she chose Philip in the first place. Yeah. Um, because he reminded her of Jeremy. He was patient and kind and a good person. Yeah. Which, um, is, which is sweet. And it, I don't know. I feel like this might, this realization might help her and Jeremy's relationship develop better on her side yeah. cuz like i feel like he thinks that their relationship is like okay but she just doesn't think enough of herself. Yeah. We have talked before about how she really doesn't think she's worthy of Jeremy's actual love and affection mm-hmm. and that if he is treating her kindly it's because she believes he feels like he's stuck with her. So i guess she chose sort of Philip as a surrogate and she like picked and chose what he saw to make him love her. Mm-hmm. Um, but she also says, like, just because she loved him doesn't mean she was in love with him. And, like, you think? Come on. Yeah. It, anyway. 
obvious um, to us at the very yeah. beginning. Yes. Um, she goes, actually goes to Toronto to talk to Philip, considering she finally, like, gets up the guts to go talk to him. Um, considering, like, you know, he saw her turn into a werewolf. Uh, but when she goes to the apartment, he denies everything. He's like, I didn't see anything. <laughs> Nothing. I didn't see it. So I guess they just part ways and that's just it. Yeah. Sorry. I said earlier when he was talking about the houses that he wanted to sublet their house. But at this point, he says he has sublet their house and her shit is in the hallway in boxes. But yeah, I, I do think it's a bit extra that he just sublets the house without talking to her, though. Considering it's her apartment. Yeah. He does yeah. do that. And then he packs up yeah. her stuff and she's like, she doesn't care because she already made up her mind. No, but at the same time, like... it's It'd be the same as her being like, hey, get the fuck out of my apartment, it's mine. Like, what if she showed up with her key and he wasn't even there? It was whoever <laughs> sublet it to. It just seems <laughs> wild. Yeah. Anyway, that's all. Um, so yeah, so they just part ways, like, not super amicably, but also not not amicably. Mm-hmm. Like, I think he's too decent a person to be a, ja- a real jackass about it. Yes. But at the same time, like, we can definitely tell that he's like... What the fuck? Yeah. Um, he does make sure that she takes Clay's wedding ring that Daniel had left behind that he never took off. Like, that was a really nice thing that he did. Which makes you wonder if he realizes that she loved him too. Maybe he realized that the cousin thing was a lie. Because she's like, that's the only thing she really went back for. Yes. Mm. Um, Anyway, she, she sort of says in her mind, like, she still loves Clay. And so I guess she leaves and is, like, going down the stairs to leave the building. And she admits to herself, like, yes, I love Clay. And yes, like, Clay is going to be the last person in my life. But I still can't give him everything he wants. Like, we still have stuff to work through. Mm -hmm. And I think that's actually, like, fair. Super healthy. Yeah. Like, she knows that they still have issues. Like, she obviously is not going to get over all of these resentments she has over being turned. No. Like, She's not going to get over that in a night, right? It's going to take work. Exactly. So, you know, I really liked that. And when she leaves the apartment, Clay is standing there. So he sort of went after her thinking she was going back, like, to stay. Yeah. And so he went after her to, like, proclaim his love and to, like... Beg her to stay with him, kind of. Yeah, and sort of be like, you know... I really want you to to come home. And he's yeah. like, I think he said something like, you know, I know I've said it, but I just want to say it again and like have it be an option for you. Mm-hmm. Like know that this is an option. And then he said, he's like, I'm working on myself to be better for her. Yeah. And I just like, I just want to tell him like, you shouldn't have to change for the person you love. Yes, true. But like, there are a few things that like, he could probably work on. <laughs> like? Don't just bite people because you don't want them to be kicked out of your life. Like, you can't just have everything you want. That's true. <laughs> yes. 
However, do we not like? I feel like he's learned that lesson. I 100% agree, but I don't I feel think like- that Elena has accepted that he's learned that lesson. So I, no. I do see why. Anyway, <laughs> I think anyway. that they they need to do work together yes. if they want to be together. Not necessarily change who they are, but they they do need to work, do some yeah. work as a couple if they want to stay together. Mm. Anyway. So he says, like, hey, I'm working on myself. I want to be better for you. And she says, I j- like, I'm coming home yeah, with you. And then she says, like, I'm ready to do the work, to mm-hmm. work on us. And then they ride off into the Stonehaven-y sunset <laughs> together. And that is the end. Yeah. I... I really liked the ending. I liked that it wrapped up. Like if you only read this one book, you had a full yes. story. Everything yep. tied up neatly in a bow. There's no mm-hmm. cliffhangers that you're like, oh, I need the next book. Like it, mm-hmm. it's very well done. I really enjoy um, going back and looking at this book again because mm-hmm. I'm not going to lie. I haven't actually read this book in quite a while. Yeah. Um. So – the decision for us to read it and like look, have a look back through it and sort of look at it from a new sort of a modern lens, even mm-hmm. though the book is like 20 years old, I think is, it was a really interesting read this time around. Yes. I'll agree with that. Yeah. But yeah, we hope you enjoyed listening to us talk about Bitten. And if you continue on with the series, like let us know and tweet us or instagram us or Send us whatever and let us know message yeah yeah and let us know what book what you thought of any of the books so yeah that wraps it up for this week like we said if you want to get in touch with us and share your thoughts on anything you heard in this episode anything about any of the other books in this series any book suggestions you can email us at coffee and co-read at gmail.com and be sure to check us out on twitter Facebook and Instagram at Coffee and Co Read. So next week we'll be reading a new book, and it's gonna be Catherine's favorite, one of Catherine's favorites, another Sarah J. Mass book. We're gonna read the first in the Throne of Glass series, also called Throne of Glass. <laughs> uh, so we are starting with chapters one to ten. So make sure you follow along. And if you're enjoying our little chats, don't forget to follow, rate, and review wherever you find content. Thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll see you on the next page.